Welcome to Pretty Real Things, a podcast discussing my former marriages and how I am re-evaluating um, it on a journey of self-love and self-care. I am your host and founder, T-Baby. First, let me say I am not an expert on relationships and marriages. I just really enjoy podcasting and I enjoy listening to other people's podcasting. Lately, I've been finding podcasting to be my way of journaling rediscovering myself so that um, I can have a more healthy mindset. Um, It's like an outlet, a stress outlet, should I say. And this journey, I am embracing self-love and self-care. And so far, I can say that I'm anxious to express how wonderful it has been. This is a new life for me, and I do feel a little anxiety and anxiousness but I have a great family and a great circle of friends who are helping me push through this this episode I wanted to focus more on becoming visible because I felt like in my past relationships I used to make myself invisible I used to dim my lighting to be with um the significant one or partner I was with at the time. Um, As a person now, looking back over my younger self, I had so many questions. So that required me to reevaluate. And the first thing I can say that I was immature and not in the state of mind of picking the right man. The type of man I tend to pick were emotionally unstable which made for a rocky relationship to start I ignored all intuition gifted by God and in this whole entirety I didn't stop and I did not walk away when the bell rang instead I made excuses which showed a lack of confidence saying that I can change or mold someone is ridiculous You can't raise a man that's already been raised or grown. And I'm sure every woman has put themselves through this type of energy. Changing a person to love you and be in a committed relationship with you takes up so much of your time, so much energy. It causes stress emotionally, uh, mentally, and physically. But a working relationship is what I call a perfect relationship. I feel like when you're working... That means putting time, investing time in your relationship to get to know someone and education on investing more into your um, marriage, getting to know one another basically and just learning how to love each other, building a foundation, I feel. Speaking from my own experiences, these men don't communicate and they won't do it. They will not. They will refuse to do it for their own mental health. And it will draw all the energy out of you and stress you out completely. Because now you're emotionally unstable. Now, in my two long-term marriages, and I'm not talking about one or two years, I guess you can't really call them long-term, but I feel like... When I say long-term, it's longer than one or two years. You know, my first marriage, eight years. My second marriage, five years. 
and neither one of them wanted to communicate communicate at all or build any type of foundation. They preferred to argue and stress. Kind of like Lizzo's song, Why Men Gray Till They Got to Be Gray. And they love to take you down that lonely old road with them. Now, being married twice, I was confident and radiant in the beginning. And then I just made myself invisible. I've got lost somewhere along the line. How? Well, how is a good question. You know, when you are putting more and giving and giving your support to get more attention, thinking that, well, if I love him more than he loves me, then he'll love me more, you know, and that's just just the immaturity of that's just the immature way of thinking. Being more attentive to your partner's needs than your own. How ridiculous is that sound? But however, the receiving no emotion, the weight of all that, no communication or effort to love me became inconvenient for them and more convenient for them to receive love only. So I was just giving and giving and giving until I couldn't give anymore. And I hate to say it, that being an African-American woman and bringing around other African-American women, we're either single by choice or in a relationship or marriage, just dealing. And what I mean by dealing, that means we're just accepting whatever, whatever makes our partner happy. And that's just not how it goes. I am, it's supposed to be 50-50. It's supposed to be equal happiness. And that's where the investment comes in. You're investing in each other to learn what makes each other happy, not one person. And I just feel like that when you're like that in a relationship where there's no foundation, there's no communication, you're arguing about any and everything. All your energy is put into arguing. In the midst of all that, you're bringing children into the world. And now your children are listening to how unstable you are. And then your children become unstable. And that's just not great. You know, my second marriage, there was no communication at all. And we will argue about the smallest things. And those. we'll just downright defend the smallest opinion of a certain thing until we couldn't breathe. And I just felt like it was abuse for my children. That's the first thing I thought. And I just had to, something had to give, basically. So instead of finding a way out, it took me years to realize that. But during that time, I felt like it, if I just ignore it, if I just go to work every day, he goes his way, I go my way, things would get better. And that's just not how, that's called dealing. That's just, that's just called accepting what it is that's going on. And what is going on is not right. And to my partners, investing time meant you were clingy, meant you were, the word I hate, toxic. And I feel like, hmm, more time working and less time investing in the marriage, hmm, that doesn't sound good. And in my marriage, I just became a roommate. Per Essence article, the number one issue in marriages is the lack of investment. We forget about the time investment 
and education investment that we need to have in learning how to maintain successful marriages. The article suggests two to three hours of undivided attention from your partner. But I say more. I say it is a lifetime. And two to three hours a day just is not going to cut it. And I realize in today's society that everyone has to work. There's so many things involved in a family that you just can't give all your time to your significant other, which is really hard to do. So my question is, there a balance of friendship, partnership, spiritual ship, spiritual ship, excuse me, and sex ship? You know, I threw that in there. That's a made up word. But you know what I'm saying. In my former marriages, it became more business-oriented. Robotic, computerized, stiff. It was boring. I went to work every day, came home, took care of the kids, paid bills. It just became a daily routine until you just realize that, am I married or not? Am I a friend or am I a roommate? Does he even exist in my life? What I want is an old-fashioned love, so to speak. I guess you can call me old-fashioned, where there's romance. And I'm talking about the romance out of those black and white movies that my parents used to watch. Now, you can call me very whimsical, or some people might even say that's immature, but I don't think that's immature. I think spending time with you, spending time with your significant other, and having that romance in your marriage... That's love to me. That's working toward loving each other, period. So I feel like what I requested from my partner did not cost a thing at all. I did not want to be on the to-do list. I did not want to be in your agenda. I didn't want to feel less than. I didn't want to feel like I'm begging you for your time. I didn't want to feel like any of those things. So after I discovered that my marriage was definitely not what I dreamed of and what and should, how it should be, I became deep in thought every day, daily, about what to do next. And all I could think of was just leave. Leave, girl, leave. I happened to read the definition of a narcissist one day and the characteristics to look for. And man, let me tell you, I realized that I went from one marriage with my first husband, who was definitely a narcissist by what I'm reading, to a second one. And I feel like it just gotten worse from there. You know, the younger me went through it the first time and didn't realize it. Now, the older me, I'm putting myself through it a second time. So I happened to read the definition, also known to be toxic toxic characteristics I said to myself going down that list that's my husband and I'm talking about the second marriage that I'm in that's my husband that's my husband and as the days and months rolled by I began to change my focus and it was to get my kids and myself out of this toxic environment I mean just to backtrack I knew I wasn't I wasn't the toxic one here but I realized that I was picking up the same characteristics for my husband it's like you've trained to respond and react like that like him I was trained to respond and react like him and those responses and reactions became redundant like ignoring each other that's one 
I go to work, he go to work. We act like we didn't know each other, walk past each other. And then we had a cycle of conflicts that just never got talked about, never got resolved. And it just came to a point where we couldn't stand each other. We couldn't stand being around each other. So we just avoided each other because time, more time apart was better than together. There was no mediator between neither one of us. The toxicity in my marriage involved so much stress and depression amongst each other. It was one emotional roller coaster. Those are just some of the signs you experience in a toxic marriage. There are many layers of a toxic relationship. And for me, I needed to figure out if I want to stay or go. Even after marriage, now I still feel a great deal of depression. Thank God I have family and friends now that just listen. And then they listen, but they never really spoke up or responded because they knew that I knew what I needed to do to be happy and that was to leave. What ultimately bothered me the most is that I could never go to my husband for any support without him being annoyed or feeling that I was an attention seeker, that I was an attention seeker, which was his favorite line or response to tell me. And that was just a way of brushing me off because he knew that I was confronting truths, but I was willing to work through the change at the time that needed to be made. If not, I then knew that I was willing to leave. It's like being on a ride you cannot get off, but you don't realize you can get off because of all the lies and the manipulation going on to persuade you to stay. Those thoughts, right? I got off and I can truly say that I take the blame for accepting everything that I was going through, which made it easy for me to leave. So in this time of the excitement, I call it treat yourself. And I say that to myself when I am giving myself self-care. Because like I told you, I go through times where I have anxiety. And most of that time is when I am trying to provide myself with self-love and self-care. I always have a sense of anxiety, a sense of guilt. Like, this shouldn't even be happening right now. But... It's weird, right? I feel like you should always love yourself. You should always provide yourself with self-care. So, since it's my birthday, it's my birthday, I am giving myself some self-care. This past weekend, my girls and I, we went to do a little wine tasting down at Cooper Hawks. And let me tell you, it was like a breath of fresh air. I had so much fun getting tipsy. Okay. It was really fun. We had a selection of eight bottles of wine to try, and the appetizers were awesome. So I felt great, and I can't wait to do it again. And I can't wait to share those moments with you because I felt like, and I'm feeling like a new person. I actually feel a little bit out of character, the fact that I did do something like that for myself. So that's all I have for this episode. Last but not least, I am choosing self-care for my mental health, and I hope you choose the same.